I'm Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. And the reason I want to talk to you today is I want to explain where the name sugar mom came from. It all began (laughs) with a book that I wrote called The Diary of a Sugar Mom. And what this was about is a woman with multiple children who used sex on multiple occasions to get what she needed in order to take care of her children and herself. But mainly, it was about protecting her family. That's where the word sugar mom came from. Not sugar mama. Totally different. Sugar mom. Well, I'd like to give you a a brief synopsis of the book. Maybe you'll decide to buy it. I've got an e-book, an audio book, and a paperback book, and they're all available on my website, sugarmom.net. This is a story about a middle-aged woman who had the world sort of fall apart, just crumble around her financially. Her husband had not been able to work for a while. She lost her job, and it was just a mess. And she took it upon herself to find an alternate way to pay the bills because the house was about to be foreclosed upon. The people were knocking on the door of this woman for the water bill and the electric bill, and it was just a nightmare. With many children, she wound up looking into the world of Sugar Daddy, learned the ropes, and provided for her family. The book is the story, the progress of what she learns, what she does, how she feels, and how she kept it a secret for years. And how none of her children asked, Mom, where'd we get the money to be able to go to the museum or go to the movies? It's a story about a strong woman with strong convictions who knew she would do anything in the world to keep her family safe. I call this faction because there's a lot of truth, fact, and fiction mixed together. I've been interviewed several times on several TV shows and radio stations, and I've been put right up against the wall. So, is this you, Robin? And I turn around and I'll say, let me ask you a better question. If you were in a situation where your children were in need and your husband was not able to perform, would you step up to that plate? and go outside that box and take care of your family in any way you could? I ask the same question of you. Could you do it? Could you have sex for money in order to keep your kids safe? Pick up the book and read or listen. It's the hardest thing I've ever recorded. The hardest audiobook I've ever recorded. Because it hit so close to home so many times. I'd like to know, after you do read or listen to it, what your feelings are. Do you hate the character for what she did? Do you empathize with her? Could you picture yourself doing the same thing? Or do you sympathize with her? The Diary of a Sugar Mom. Available at sugarmom.net. Wow, I picked it up. Last week, after not reading it for a year, came out a year ago. It actually hit number 10 
on Amazon in the category of, would you believe, working women. <laughs> How appropriate. But I did pick it up and I read it after a year. And my hands were shaking by the time I was done. I was just overwhelmed. I tried to read it from a third person's perspective so that I wasn't the author of the book. And it was not an easy read. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you can at least give me some feedback as to how it made you feel. Thanks for listening. I'm Robin Marshall. (laughs) Yes, they call me America's number one sugar mom. But now you get it. And shortly, I'm going to make this audiobook available via my Sugar Mom podcast for free. I'll do about a half an hour of the book each time. So if you don't want to make a small investment and purchase it on my website, you can listen for free. It's all about women helping women and sharing secrets or opening you up to talk about the things that have already been inside your head. It's the sugar mom way. And I'm going to give you a little taste of what's inside the book. And then I'm going to start releasing 30 minutes at a time, maybe on a Thursday. This Thursday, bookmark Thursdays for the Diary of a Sugar Mom. Now, don't get me wrong. We'll have the regular Sugar Mom podcast every Tuesday. But Thursdays will be special. The complete audiobook of The Diary of a Sugar Mom, as heard on Amazon.com, or you can buy it up front if you'd like so that you can follow along on days that you've missed. Either way, it's something I really want to share with you. And the money is the least important thing to me. Afterwards, I'd love to hear from you with just your thoughts and whether you sit in judgment of the woman in the book or whether you can empathize or sympathize or relate, for that matter, or dream about things that this woman has done. It's always good to put two heads together, see if we come to an understanding. In the meantime, if you'd like to find the audiobook or the paperback book or the ebook, they're all available at sugarmom.net. And embarrassingly, I say I will autograph the paperback book to you, something special, just you. So without any further ado, let me begin with the intro, the prologue, and the explanation of what the word faction really means. And that has a lot to do with what's going on in this book. You need quiet time to absorb this story. It's very deep, very intimate, sensual, and real. Enjoy. It's Robin Marshall. And now maybe you'll understand why they call me America's number one sugar mom. So let me just offer a tease and get you hooked for every Thursday for the Diary of a Sugar Mom. Enjoy. The Diary of a Sugar Mom 
Don't Tell the Kids by Robin Marshall. Martial Arts Communications, Dallas, Texas, USA. Copyright 2014, Robin Marshall. About the author. Robin Marshall is a highly regarded national voiceover talent who before just recently moving to Dallas was based out of New York City. After spending a good part of 25 years on the air in New York City, including working for CBS Radio and MS Communications, she continues to add flavor to many different radio stations via radio imaging around the world. She says, all of this behind-the-mic time allowed her the props to record her own audio version of this book. She's known for having a sultry voice, which lends a lot to the recording of The Diary of a Sugar Mom. Don't tell the kids. Robin is the mother of five kids, all born within nine years of each other. Yes, to the same man. It seems to always be the first question that's asked, she states. She and her husband are now separated for several years and yet remain as strong friends. Robin has taken the time to write this story about a woman married to a man who, for a short but frightening time, struggled with supporting his family, while at the same time losing her own job. It tells of the degrees this woman went to when pushed up against the wall to either support her family or let them starve. Robin says, I believe any woman who is a real mom would entertain the thought of sex for money if children's lives were at stake. They are pieces of us, extensions of our being, and it is our job to make sure they stay safe at any risk, no matter how high those stakes may be. I believe in the character of whom I've written. Robin has written a previous book called, Is This Thing On? The book was a bestseller for Barnes & Noble and can be found online. It is a montage of radio on-air nightmares written by jocks from all over the world. The Diary of a Sugar Mom is admittedly the most important work Robin says she's ever created. She says, it's from the heart, my heart, hopefully to yours. And now, The Diary of a Sugar Mom, Don't Tell the Kids, by Robin Marshall. This book is dedicated to every one of my five children, Wren, Dylan, Lacey, Brandy, and Cassidy. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my babies you'll be. Or, as they recognize it, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living. My babies you'll be. Thanks to Robert N. Munch, the author of that book. I would give my life for each and every one of you without cause. It's what all good parents should be willing to do, those of us who take pride in ownership of what they breed and nurture. The degree of love I feel for you is immeasurable, like infinity plus one. Forward. The word is faction. The controversial writing genre that blurs the line between fiction and fact, generating much controversy with spinning yarns and weaving truths. By Jocelyn McClurg, book editor, The Hartford Current. Also more recently said by Robin Thicke in his latest song called Blurred Lines, I'd consider that to be a sampling of faction. More simply put, in recipe terms, take facts, add fiction, throw in a blender, and see what comes out. 
fact. I'm a woman who loves sex, loves to nurture, be held, be creative, and spin a story. Fiction, it's what lies between the lines. We all recognize truths within brief glimpses, glances, sometimes in a reflection of a window, in a mirror. Other times we force ourselves to look deep inside and find it hiding or hovering beneath many layers, just waiting to pounce. The bottom line is we all choose to believe what makes us comfortable. Pick what makes you feel safe as a reader. The leftovers are the parts you need to ponder, question, and really dig deep into your soul to make your decision as to what kind of woman you think I'm truly capable of being. Chapter 1. Looking Back, Looking Forward I've got a story to tell, and no, this is not some crazy advertisement and certainly not a coffee table book. It's just what's gone through my head and what I've gone through in the past and how I've made it to my present, while life has maintained itself through a nucleus of sex. It's something I want to share with you, but at the same time, I need you to know that I'm insecure with telling it to you because I'm leaving myself vulnerable and wide open, and that, to me, is very scary. But I feel the need to talk, to sort things out, and the exhibitionist in me wants to include you in all the sordid affairs. And so, it begins. Where to, ma'am? With a slight crack in my voice, I said, take me to the airport. With a press of the meter button, the fare started to count up in dollars and cents as he put the taxi in gear and pulled away from the only life I have known, trying to make my own sense of what I was leaving behind. Twenty-five years of memories, and I'm thinking my second favorite saying, can't we just get in the car and go? No one does that without trepidation, it seems. Why not just risk the destination? If life is so practical where we are, then how can we ever get somewhere new if we can't just step on the gas? I can't exactly say I'm heading in an aimless direction, but I have been for what feels like an eternity. How can a woman be so focused and yet so distracted after a lifetime of pleasing everyone around me, my kids, husband, parents, friends, dogs... I'm finally on my own. The meter ticks. I used to care. Even cab fare was a luxury to me then. Now, it's the way out as I head to Nashville. Vignettes playing out in my mind. Some involving sex, some involving motherhood and friendship. But I'm thinking to myself as I'm riding, Girl... You got a book in here somewhere because half of those that know you closely wouldn't believe the story, the life, the passion, the inner world that you've really been a part of. The other half thinks you're crazy already, so pick up a pen. The cab driver is chatting at me about uncaring issues. I want to let him know that I don't chat, so I'd like to know the polite way of saying, shut the hell up. Instead, I've decided to utter at the appropriate times, oh, bless your heart, with a shake of my head. I'm half listening to him ramble, but I'm hearing my heartbeat in my throat, my ears, wrists, chest, hearing a pulse, hearing it quicken, glad that I'm hearing it at all. My pulse is drowning him out while heading to Tennessee, of all places. 
If you'd have asked me a year ago if I knew where Nashville was, I would have said it's somewhere south of the equator. Really? I think it's a northeast thing. Having spent over 25 years working in and out of cities while living in suburbia, it's my entitlement to own a bit of northern attitude. As I watch his lips jabber, I feel my pulse again. Look out the window, wave a mental goodbye to five kids, a couple of dogs, and an ex-husband. I feel fear. I'm headed towards a new life alone. It's my life to make my life to keep, and my life to lose if I mess it up. I've been offered a career change, a real career with benefits, corporate surroundings, a 401k. I even get a two-week paid vacation. I'll become a force to contend with again, but just in a different aspect of life, all while having to give up the joy of seeing my children on a daily basis. I love them but I think something happened to me. I think I learned that I love me more. Maybe it's a temporary condition. Wouldn't you give up your life for any one of your own kids, even at their worst moments in time, getting calls from the police? Ma'am, your son broke into a home and stole some money. What? Ma'am, did you hear me? He's at the station being questioned. Ma'am, ma'am. How dare Dare that cop ruin the perfect image my child has burned in my brain. Trespassing, stealing, overdosing from some stupid drug. We'd still have taken the deal if the officer said, Ma'am, if you'd like to trade your life with your child, there'll be no record of any mishap here. Or, Ma'am, if you'd accept this gunshot to the head, we'll make sure your child lives a long and prosperous life. We would do both as all good moms should, from the bottoms of our hearts, our pulsing hearts. But God damn it, he didn't offer. The cab passes another car with a woman driving with kids in every crevice, and I remember my kids and me were in our car driving to Myrtle Beach as Don't Stop Believing came on the radio. We were all singing, lungs full, musical notes jangling all over the windshield, bouncing back into our throats, sounding so full that we didn't even hear the sirens of the police car. There came the flashing lights as he pulled us over. $280 later, after he got me for speeding, passing on the left, no blinker and an out-of-state license and no insurance card on me, and then went to check out the status of my license, which turned out to be suspended, which, of course, I was totally unaware of. My girls all chimed in saying, Mom, why didn't you flirt your way out of that one? (laughs) I shook my head, cursing the fact that I had them in the back seat, knowing that if I'd been alone, I most definitely would have hiked up my skirt. Hell, with all of those offenses, I may have offered them a blowjob. But I needed to teach them that it was wrong. And I had to own up to the consequence. Damn it. Every time we hear that song now, though, we laugh like idiots. The ultimate mommy-daughters moment. (laughs) Again, the cab driver seems to be talking to me. But I'm lost in memories. Can't he read my face in the rearview mirror? I look in that same mirror and I see my past fading behind me. Now I know why the windshield is such a bigger piece of glass. It offers much more room to look toward the future. For once, I shut my mouth. I hear my dad in my head. Damn it, that mouth of yours is going to get you in trouble forever. Chapter 2. 
Me and Mom and Me. I'm an attractive woman, late 40s, a mom with what most consider a million kids. Anything more than three feels like a million. The fact that I haven't killed them all by now is a miracle. I'm smart, creative, seductive, edgy, maybe even as my mom says, too big for my britches. After all these years, I can't believe she gets a starring role in this autobiography of sorts. I denied her credit for so long, but now she's way overdue the merits. Funny that we have to grow up to finally give credit where credit is due. I was 11 years old, and my mom was yelling, You're too goddamn big for your britches! That's your problem! Mom, I can hear you. Who are you really screaming at, me or you? Do you wish you were me so that you could start all over again? Mom continued, You try being married to him. He never touches me. This is obviously information too heavy a load to carry for a young teen, but I inhaled it as it was tossed into my breathing space unwantedly. It's okay, Mom. I'm giving you a starring role in my book. You deserve it after all you went through. I was only Daddy's girl because it was easier to manipulate him than you. I apologize if I never let you know it before. It's all part of that sexual power play that I've become so good at. You were both so messed up. I think I must have been a shake-and-bake kind of deal. A little shake from you and a little bake from him. Continuing on, I digress. I felt the first darkness the day I saw you and Daddy fighting outside your bedroom door. I was six. I saw you kick him, and he pushed you down. You never knew I was standing there, and I never told you. That's when I decided to be a good girl, so that Daddy would love me enough to not hurt me, as he did you. I didn't feel as safe with you, because if he was able to hurt you, whether physically or emotionally, he could certainly hurt me. Right, Mom? I guess only from the eyes of a child. I'm emotionally stable enough to make those around me believe I'm living a normal life. My mom will be the first to say, you've had a normal life. What mother wouldn't be in fear of what their offspring might divulge? It's like having your daughter be a centerfold, which I'd been asked to do more than once and didn't, sort of. The meter continues to run, helping me to escape my current life. I think, keep running. The more it runs, the farther I travel away. Distance is beckoning in its own voice. You must support your family. Otherwise, they'll starve. Try the corporate life. You're way overdue for a feeling of financial freedom for you and the kids. Don't look back. Just pray it works and compartmentalize. Don't allow yourself to miss the kids. Do you really believe they'll miss you? Chapter 3. Pay the Piper. When I met him through the website, I considered that I'd never see him again. I'm thinking about last night. He was so not my type. And he had no idea I was faking lust. Poor Danny. It was just a mercy fuck. But he paid the piper. (laughs) That's what my parents should have called me. Piper. I've always loved the name. My mom was right. I have had normalcy in my life, but most of it is preceded or followed by abnormal circumstances. My name is Dora, short for Pandora, because of the box I began to open at birth. Sorry, Mom.
I wonder what she'd think about men associating me as cougarish. I also find it to be amusing that for my entire life I avoided sugar, and now I look for it in alternate ways. I work hard at keeping myself looking pretty, shapely, and most believe I've never even had kids. Problem with that is I rely on this sexuality, maybe for too much. Sex has become a control mechanism with which I can tease, taunt, haunt, and get what I want. In most cases, it leaves me in the driver's seat, while at the same time, enjoying myself. Occasionally, I get burned, as it can be a double-edged sword. I'm happy to know, though, where some can't find that dividing line between sex for use and sex for love, I can. I did tell her I was going to write this book. She asked me two questions. Are you going to use your real name, and are you going to tell the truth? I found both questions to be very telling. I'm still pondering the answer. And there you have it. The first three chapters of A Diary of a Sugar Mom. And that was supposed to happen on Thursday. So consider it like a sneak preview. But this Thursday coming up, there'll be more. I hope you're enjoying. And I hope you'll stay with me throughout this whole ride. I do want to know what you think at the end. You can tell me your thoughts at sugarmom.net or leave a comment right here on iTunes. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. A Westwood One podcast production.